United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. Well, let's go to Iraq and talk a little bit about it, because now there seems to be a sense that the Islamic State is dead, it's gone, it's buried. But a lot of people are wondering what fills the vacuum once they do go away and whether or not they will actually entirely go away. And there have been questions about we've already seen some infighting between the Iraqi government and uh, the Kurdish uh, uh, forces, the Peshmerga. And, and so one wonders, well, what is what is now going to be happening there? Are our former allies now going to be enemies? Uh, give us your sense of the landscape there. Sure. Yeah, definitely ISIS has been significantly pushed back and most of uh, Iraq's territories have been um, uh, liberated uh, from ISIS. And it was uh, long expected that once uh, this common enemy of the Iraqis um, go away, uh, then tensions among the same forces that fought uh, fought ISIS, uh, then competition between them uh, will rise and confrontation would be possible. Uh, And those confrontations were seen a continuation of Sunni-Shia confrontations. They were seen as um, uh, Baghdad uh, Erbil uh, confrontations and some expected uh, Shia Shia confrontations. What happened? What transpired um, in the past week? Uh, definitely, when uh, uh, Iraqi forces, uh, uh, from the perspective of the Kurds, uh, attacked um, uh, the, the the disputed territories of Kirkuk and other places and uh, took hold and. Uh, uh, the, along with them went the uh, Shia popular mobilization forces. Again, this is an area of contentious, uh, a very contentious area for, for both sides. And uh, the, the whole move could be seen as part of post-ISIS uh, Iraqi political um, competition where the prime minister uh, needs to um, be seen as strong and holding the territorial integrity of Iraq so that that will position him for the next elections that are coming up next year in, in the springtime. But also the Kurdish uh, uh, Erbil Baghdad tensions and Sunni Baghdad tensions are uh, uh, issues that predate ISIS, and uh, unless resolved in some process, um, we, 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 we may have other chapters of tensions and violence. So it, just let's, let's make sure we understand, is this still basically, is, it all, is the, the, the Shia-Sunni battle that is driving much of the tension, or is it something else? I think we have several tensions uh, going on uh, in Iraq. Uh, the uh, the liberated areas from ISIS uh, are now, I mean, there's massive destruction there, and uh, uh, over 3 million people are yet to return home, and uh, the popular mobilization forces are in, uh, predominantly Shia, are in Sunni areas. Uh, they are not necessarily welcome there, so that you have that angle of the tensions. Now you have the second angle, uh, Iraqi troops and popular mobilization forces going into uh, Kurdish-dominated uh, areas in the disputed territories or mixed population areas. So that's the second layer of the tensions. So there is there are tensions about who governs these provinces and liberated areas, and there are tensions uh, about Iraq overall and the framework of Iraq and the inclusive and and fair share uh, in power and uh, resources of the country. Again, Sarhang Hamasaid is with us, Director of Middle East Programs at the U.S. Institute of Peace. Sarhang, I, I, you know, I, I go back to, say, six months ago, maybe a year ago, and the way that people talked about 
the um, the Islamic State, and not with reverence, but certainly with awe in some cases about their seeming, if not invincibility, their power, their their sense of purpose, the ability to get money, to be able to fund their actions, to be able to turn so many to their own cause. And here we are now, barely four years after really the conversation started in earnest about the Islamic State. I understand the roots go farther than that, but it seems like this candle has burned brightly, but for a lot shorter period of time than than some people might have anticipated. Explain what happened. Why why were they taken down, or why they, or why are they are falling apart right now? Well, uh, uh, that's one way uh, to put it, uh, and there would be a good number of people who would disagree that this was not fast. Actually, uh, ISIS took uh, the, the territories that they controlled in a matter of days, and it took uh, over three years. Uh, to retake that uh, territory with a significant amount of firepower and support from the international community. So, uh, but uh, getting back to the, the core question, why they existed in the first place um, and how, how did they grow uh, and uh, advance so rapidly, uh, they definitely exploited uh, grievances of communities, especially Sunni communities in Iraq and uh, governance uh, failures and uh, issues with the political process. And unless those, uh, so now the military part uh, has made a great progress. We need to make sure that the political process that needs to, um, that, that is needed to consolidate the gains and address the core uh, grievances, uh, Sunni grievances, um, uh, uh, Kurdish grievances, grievances of the uh, religious minorities in Iraq, and even Shia grievances are um, addressed in a political process that can work for all the communities of Iraq. Unless that is done, uh, then uh, the, the risk is great. Even if we don't have an ISIS 2.0 or ISIS, Sons of ISIS back, uh, tensions uh, between the Kurds and, and, and Baghdad, tensions between the Sunnis and Baghdad uh, could come back to the forefront uh, in form of violence of grievances, not another address. So this is a, an important moment where the international community needs to realize that political dialogue is really necessary. And the, the, the more we wait, uh, the more time uh, we lose. Uh, and uh, that political dialogue, the international community can play a, a, a mediating role, a convening role, but ultimately it will be definitely for the Iraqis to determine the deal that they take. Uh, but without providing that platform, uh, we risk. Um, uh, we are at a good moment, but we will risk uh, uh, losing it if we don't act. Does the U.S. shepherd those talks, or does the U.S. try to maintain some distance? What What's the role the U.S. plays in this without seeming like it's trying to run the show? Which I think was one of the problems after Saddam Hussein was gone, as the U.S. came in as liberators, as, as the Vice President Cheney had said they would be, and yet a lot of what was expected never took place. So, so where does the what's the U.S. role here? Uh, the U.S. Uh, I mean, first, I, I, uh, I recognize, and many uh, Iraqis recognize that the U.S. has a concern that it has been uh, entangled in Iraq, and there is a sense of fatigue, and there is a sense of there, there has been sacrifice, um, uh, dear sacrifice by the U.S. troops and in, in blood and treasure, um, and the U.S. has been uh, reluctant to get into the political process too much, uh, but. Uh, I think the expectation is not for the U.S. to lead the dialogue. The expectation is for the U.S. to uh, talk to its friends uh, in, uh, in Iraq and uh, help 
put support beyond uh, the United Nations as potentially the sponsor of, uh, of those dialogues. And when dialogues happen between, uh, for example, the Kurdistan region, um, regional government and Baghdad, uh, uh, that the U.S. will play uh, a role in facilitating those dialogues. And when deals are reached, it will help both sides implement them. And uh, we have a moment here where Prime Minister Abadi has offered um, uh, dialogues uh, to, to engage in dialogues within the framework of the Iraqi constitution and uh, in, in the, within the framework of partnership. And the Kurdistan regional government welcomed uh, those um, uh, those offers from the uh, prime minister. And the U.S. can definitely um, help uh, facilitate those dialogues. We can only hope for success in this area. Sarhang Hamas Saeed, as always, thank you for joining us on POTUS today. Thank you, thank you, Tim. Thank you for having me. Sarang Hamasaid is Director of Middle East Programs at the U.S. Institute of Peace, joining us to talk about the latest on Iraq and uh, the ongoing battle, of course, now that the Islamic State seems to be crumbling. But what fills the vacuum? That's always the key question, is it not? Anyway, he's tweeting at Sarang, S-A-L-A-R, at S-A-R-A-N-G-S-A-L-A-R. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.